It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambler's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to the full slate of podcast by Degenerates for Degenerates. My name is Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter at G underscore Frank 6 for the rest of my shenanigans. It is NFL Week 3. A day earlier we record as it just worked out a little bit better scheduling-wise this week. To jump on on a Wednesday night, you tune in on a Thursday morning perhaps or whenever you're listening. Welcome aboard as we bring in Alex Uplinger, our jack of all trades, at full underscore slate underscore pod at Alex underscore up 7. Alex, good to have you aboard again, my man. How you doing? Greg, I'm doing well, man. Hell of a week. That was a lot of fun. You know, some of the picks were poor, but I do have to say, I got to take some credit how we, you know, told people to pass on the Chargers. That line was too good to be true. And what happens? The Titans, of course, scrape one outright at home. That's some next level PR type answering by you to find a way to spin a week where we got our asses kicked into yeah but we still did this <laughs> <laughs> right we might have given some shit picks but we did tell you to avoid one that would have been you know rich. what you know what i think what you just did was like uh justin fields today where he calls out the coaching staff and then like 15 minutes later has to readdress the media in front of his little locker and be like now nah. yeah little little deflection we're good. tactic thing yeah we're yeah. fine Exactly. It's a new week. It's a new week. I'll I'll take responsibility for those bad losses, but I did steer you away from an even worse loss. All right. Well, let's get to it as we are because it is a Wednesday night. We're going to include the Thursday game in our uh, slate of picks, and we're going to start as the New York Giants are catching 10 against the San Francisco 49ers. And Alex, we had talked about wanting to take the Giants here. I believe this is up to 10.5, by the way, at a lot of shops. Total of 44.5. It uh, just felt like a stinky side that we would like uh, with the Giants, uh, you know, looking re- really bad against Arizona, then coming back, but not able to cover. And then the injuries really piled up for New York. A couple of offensive linemen out, some defenders out on top of Saquon Barkley. So we'll steer clear of the side. It did kind of Giants staying on the West Coast. They they practiced this week in Arizona, probably just touched down in Santa Clara or getting there now. I was, you know, read that they were flying into the Bay Area tonight. Um, So, again, wanted to take the stinky side with the Giants, thinking maybe, hey, you know, that second half comeback, albeit against Arizona, maybe it'll reinvigorate them a bit, but... With the injuries, particularly on the offensive line, it certainly could be a massive Nick Bosa game. Uh, but because of that, another reason why we kind of thought oh, maybe the Giants was sooner or later, and I feel like we say this every week with the 49ers, it never happens. We're going to get a Brock Purdy clunker. Um, so basically, 
we're going to gravitate more towards the primetime under angle, thinking that the Giants down Saquon, down some offensive linemen, aren't going to be able to move the ball much themselves. Kyle Shanahan maybe thinking more big picture, get in, get out game. Niners win something like 27 to 7, you know, and we get plenty of wiggle room on under 44 and a half. So that's kind of where we ended up, even though, again, the Giants were certainly an early lean for us. Yeah, it was the the two offensive linemen being out, uh, Ben Bredson, the guard, and then Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, you know, the blind side tackle. This is probably the worst possible matchup to have two offensive linemen down against, you know, Bosa and one of the best fronts in the entire NFL. So that's absolutely terrifying. You know, you could do worse than just blindly taking double digit dogs in the NFL. But when you look at those injuries, that's a huge concern. I think those are way more concerning than, than losing Saquon. So yeah, definitely like the under here. And then I think giants team total under 16 and a half could be a really good look. I just don't see how they're going to move the ball super successfully. This could get pretty ugly pretty quick, like we saw week one against Dallas, where it just kind of unraveled. And then, you know, they just were turning the ball over a ton. And that game, you know, surprisingly went under with the Cowboys putting up 40 points. I could see, you know, not, not quite that extent. I think the Giants defense will be looking to improve off of last week. And I think they can match up decently. Looks like Brandon Ayuk is going to be a game time decision. And, you know, that's a huge part of their passing game. We saw Purdy overthrow several guys last week. So certainly not his best game. He still has yet to have that absolute clunker that I'm kind of waiting on, you know, the, the two picks and a fumble, you know, three turnover type of game has yet to do that, which is incredibly impressive for Mr. Irrelevant. I'm still waiting on that, but I, I see this being a, a lower scoring, pretty boring game, to be honest. Yeah, I, I love the under, and I think Giants team total under is a great look as well. Okay, so uh, leans to the under, uh, sounds like likes, actually, on the under in Thursday night football. Let's fast forward to Sunday where we're going to start in the Twin Cities, the Vikings, hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, looks like Chargers laying one. Lot, some books hanging pick on this game. A high, high total of 54. Uh, and hopefully I can convince you on this because uh, this is one of my favorite sides. And it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings. I'll take the Purple People Eaters at home. Uh, we talked a little bit about this week one, but I'd like to reinforce this point, especially because I feel like it maybe rings true a little bit. More so now in what's definitely a desperation spot for both of these 0-2 teams who clearly had playoff aspirations coming into 2023. I still think Minnesota is a good home field. And while they lost week one at home to Tampa Bay, since 2016, which is when U.S. Bank Stadium opened, the Vikings are 40-20 and 20 straight up at home. Um, and obviously that's basically what we're asking them to do here is to win the game. Uh, that is the seventh best home record in the NFL in that time and the third best in the NFC. Some notable NFC teams that they have a better straight-up record at home since their new stadium their stadium opened. Better than the Eagles since 2016. Better than the Saints. The Superdome, obviously, been a good home field. Better than the Seattle Seahawks straight up at home since 2016. 
and better than the San Francisco 49ers at home since 2016. So that gives you some proper context into this home field. Uh, They're also seventh best against the spread at home since 2016 as well. So I just wanted to get that point out about the home field. Now, as far as the 2023, both teams just handicapping the spot, Austin Eckler probably not going to play again for the Chargers as he – not not on IR, but the timetable seems pretty fuzzy there. Uh, seems like Eckler's down. Uh, and in a game with a high total, you best believe I'm going to lean towards the team that has its we- you know weapons at full disposal. We talked about it. Kirk Cousins, the new nightmare. Uh, you know, they scored some points last week against the Eagles. So I don't doubt that the Vikings can score here. Uh, Anthony DeBundo of the Action Network wrote a good piece about, uh, you know, Lean's passes on different games. And in this particular spot, he noted how the Vikings are at 0-2, probably already feel like a better team than they were at 13-4 last year because Brian Flores has taken over this defense. And while he's saying that it's not a good defense, they're not a bottom five defense anymore. Like they're just kind of run of the mill bad instead of the worst in the NFL bad. So I think Brian Flores' presence on the defense already being felt. And then he also noted that the Chargers defense has been atrocious this year. Second to last in, uh, excuse me, they are last in defensive DVOA. And the gap from the Chargers at 32 to the team in 31st is the same as the gap from the 31st team to the 22nd team in DVOA. So that's how bad the Chargers have been defensively. So you're telling me I get the healthier offense at home in what feels like a must win. Then they go out and get Cam Akers, which I think is a sign that they're still trying to win football games. And, you know, I talked a little bit on my radio show about how I feel like the Vikings, there's some buzz about Kirk Cousins to the Jets. And maybe the Vikings, if they keep losing, might go in the tank for Caleb Williams. They've been looking for the heir apparent to Kirk Cousins the last couple of years. Well, this move today, getting Cam Akers, signifies to me that they still believe in their 2023 roster. Otherwise, why would they make this move to bring in a running back? So they want to try and beef up their run game a little bit. Cousins has been doing fine through the air. And as I said, the defense better, even though it's still not very good. I just think there's more bet on signals for the Vikings. The Chargers are a bad defense, down their best skill player, playing for a lame deck head coach in Brandon Staley. I don't want any part of that team uh, on the road in a pick em spot or even as a short favorite. So I'll take the Vikings. You completely nailed it. I completely agree. You talked me into it. This <laughs> game is – it's not ugly per se because it's probably the best game of the week. You know, most compelling – the shortest line high total, like points <laughs> exactly super high total i kind of want to just blindly take the over and root for some fun and some madness and i think that's exactly what we're going to get with uh both these defenses especially the chargers you mentioned flores he's you know slowly but surely turning around the ship from being the absolute worst to like serviceably bad which I think is good when you have. Well, now we have to pat him on the back for that, but it is true. Right, right. You've turned around from complete dog shit to just shit. Just like and that's, normal shit. Yeah, you've gone yeah, from dog shit to human shit. Right, and that's quite the upgrade from uh, what we've seen from them last year. And they're you know putting up points. They were definitely competitive against Philly. 
you know, it did take a backdoor cover there at the end to be uh, way more competitive on paper than, you know, the game probably actually felt. But I do like how this Vikings team, their offense is clicking. They can put up points against an Eagles defense that is significantly better than what we'll see on Sunday. And anytime, you know, I can fade Brandon Staley, I'm going to. I mean, he's one of the worst coaches in the NFL. I think he's severely overrated. This is supposed to be a defensive-minded guy, right? And their yeah, defense and they have is, the worst defense in the league by DVO. I mean, it's not even remotely close, and it's it's terrible when they have you know guys like Bosa. Like they should be significantly better than what they are. I, I think this is a no-brainer. Just taking the dog at home with the healthier offense with arguably better weapons. Yeah, so we like the Vikings in that game. At U.S. Bank Stadium. All right, let's go to Lake Erie, where the Cleveland Browns, on a short week, return home, albeit short trip from Pittsburgh to Cleveland, as the Browns host the Tennessee Titans. It's Cleveland laying three and a half, a total of 39 and a half. Alex, you made a good point here when we were talking before we jumped on about how, with all that's kind of surrounding Cleveland, the Nick Chubb injury, ugly Deshaun Watson game on national TV. Who wants to lay three in the hook with Cleveland right now? And so I do think that Tennessee has a very public dog vibe. I'm more interested in the total here, and I'm on the fence as to if I want to go under or Browns team total under uh, because, uh, admittedly, I was out on the Browns going into the year, uh, gave out their under nine-and-a-half wins, uh, and just don't think Deshaun Watson's a very good quarterback. I wasn't that surprised. I know it's Steelers' defense. But I wasn't that surprised by how poorly he played because I think you're probably already having some Browns fans begin to question the contract. And I think that's only going to continue with how much of a mess he has looked like at very. I mean, I don't we talked about it a little bit last week as to why we liked Cincinnati in week two. That week one game was Cincinnati and Cleveland. I think you have to throw out both performances to an extent. And we were on the Browns in that game. But it was a messy, rainy day. It wasn't like either offense did a whole lot. So Deshaun Watson really, dating back to when he returned from the suspension last year and now the early signals in 2023, just say he's just a guy at quarterback. So I wanted to figure out how I can fade the Browns. Tennessee just feels like a trendy dog, especially at this number. So that's where I looked more at the under because I do think – while all the conversation is surrounding Cleveland with Watson and Chubb not being there, this is still a good defense that the Browns have. And I know the Steelers offense has certainly had some problems to start the year, but Cleveland's defense, I think, deserves some credit for how it played as well on Monday night. So you're getting a Cleveland defense against a Tennessee offense that outside of Derrick Henry, we know, and even with Henry, he's kind of the bruising, wear you down back. You don't always expect him to, you know, bust one out for 80 yards. So, I don't think the Titans offense obviously has a lot of big playmakers on it. And, you know, the Titans defense has been good. Opponents are averaging just 20 points per game. Um, And so that means that, you know, even if Cleveland hits 20 and wins the game, then this game still stays under the 39 and a half. So I like the under more than the side, but I think I'd lean Cleveland only because when I saw the Browns laying three in the hook 
on a short week, given the vibes around the Browns are mostly negative right now, it made me think that the public will definitely back Tennessee with the Titans coming off of a dramatic win against the Chargers last week. So uh, slightly into Cleveland on the side, but definitely like the game under the total. I'm with you. I, I played this game under. Um, <clears throat> might honestly double dip. You kind of got me thinking that this is going to be super ugly. And, you know, I don't think we can trust Tannehill to, to string together two decent performances. I'm a little skeptical with this number at three and a half currently. Everyone knows Mike Vrabel. One of the best underdog coaches in the NFL. And at three in the hook, this this definitely looks like a great Titan spot. But I just think Cleveland coming back home, I really like their their home field. I mean, some of the rowdier fans in the entire league, they're definitely going to be fired up. I just I can't really back Deshaun Watson, you know, at three and a half right now. I'm hoping that you're right and that this is, you know, the trendiest dog of the week and this ticks down to three. I saw some threes offshore today. I think that online was hanging a three at minus 120 earlier today. I'm hoping this ticks down to three. If it got to two and a half, I would 100% play Cleveland at that number. I just think this is a good bounce back spot. You know, they looked completely lifeless, but like you said, Really solid defense still. I mean, Steelers did absolutely nothing. It was two defensive touchdowns, which obviously you can't put on Cleveland's defense. So I think that speaks to the under even more. Titans have a pretty solid defense as well. I don't see either of the offenses really moving the ball a ton. I know Cleveland, you know, missing their their bell cow running back, obviously Nick Chubb one of the better running backs in the entire NFL, but they're still going to lean on that ground game. I mean, Jerome Ford had some explosiveness. Yeah, he looked okay. uh, They brought back Hunt. I don't, I don't know how much that'll factor in. Obviously he knows the system very well being on the team last year. So maybe he'll plug right back in and, you know, be that, that second guy getting a ton of action as well. I, I just think Jerome Ford is still explosive enough to, you know, do well, on the ground game, I, I think both teams are going to heavily rely on the ground game with two very, very mediocre quarterbacks. Not to mention, you know, Amari Cooper did not practice today. They're listing the groin and now a shoulder injury as well. Mm. I'm sure he will play. You know, last week was in doubt up until the last minute, and then he ended up playing and he was pretty effective. I mean, He's an incredible player. He catches absolutely everything. It was incredible to watch. Yeah. That being said, under looks great. If this gets to Browns two and a half, 100%, I would play Cleveland. Yeah, and that's definitely something to see, just how much public money comes on Tennessee uh, to see if it does go through the three. would take a lot, but, uh, you know, crazier things have happened. Uh, Okay, let's go to – oh, by the way, last point on this game. Uh, another thing we like to talk about early season wise, especially is like urgency, motivation. Who do these games mean more for in September? Well, Cleveland after this week, Ravens in week four, bye in week five, 49ers in week six. So if they don't win this game, the Browns could be staring at one in four 
after that Niners game in the middle of October. Like, you know, if they lose this game, go to one and two. And you have to think that means a lot more in the AFC North than it does in the AFC right. South. Yeah, I mean, forget the Niners game. If they just lose to Baltimore, that's another division loss. So, you know, then you lose to the Niners, and that's four losses in a row if you lose this game. So I, I do. Right, think- and I think Tennessee can kind of hang around. We're, we're not super high on Jacksonville enough to think that, if Tennessee drops this, they're completely done in their division. But right, if Cleveland does that, you know that's alarm bells are ringing for sure. All right, speaking of that division, Tennessee relies Tennessee resides in. Excuse me. Let's go to Duval as the Houston Texans are catching nine in the hook against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a total of 44 and a half. And this is one we both uh, gravitated towards, and it's funny, Alex, because in the beginning we talked about with the Giants game how. You know, you can do pretty well blindly betting double-digit dogs in the NFL because the variance and the range of talent from one roster to the next uh, just isn't wide enough to garner laying these big spreads. And we have a couple other big spreads in the late window, which we'll touch on. But while it's nine and a half, so we fall the hook short of the double digits, Houston's the kind of big dog we like because it's not like the Texans have, uh, you know, cluster injuries or are even playing that poorly. I mean, I think, you know, usually the big dogs we like are the teams that are maybe a little devoid in talent, but their talent is playing hard and we're seeing improvement to where they can cover a big number, kind of like Teddy Bridgewater's Panthers all the time and and things like that. So that's where the signals are up on Houston because well, yeah, they lost and they didn't even cover as a big dog against Baltimore in week one. But that was kind of a slower death that they were dying and their defense is kind of hanging around. And, and, you know, they just weren't able to make enough plays offensively. Then you look at last week and their defense didn't play as well. And, you know, Anthony Richardson torched him on the ground before Richardson got hurt. Um, and they got behind by a lot. But there was a stick to and a, you know, never say die mindset that it felt like CJ Stroud was playing with and he ends up throwing for almost 400 yards. And so it was almost garbage. It was a lot of garbage time, uh, but you got to start somewhere. And I think that the rookie quarterback out of, out of Ohio state, um, you know, relative certainly looks better than Bryce young so far. And that might not be saying a whole lot, but I just think with Houston, you're getting a team that uh, obviously we know is not very good, but improved from week one to week two. If they improve from week two to week three, they're going to be in this game and certainly cover this nine and a half point spread. So those are kind of the thumbs up signals on Houston, not to mention for what it's worth. Houston did win last year at Jacksonville. Um, So those are all of the uh, kind of upward trends on Houston. And then when you look at Jacksonville, what did we also say? We said this last week with the Bills where – Buffalo was laying eight in the hook against uh, Vegas. And we said, well, if your offense is quick strike, then the number doesn't, you know, the big number doesn't scare you as much because if they can score in a hurry, and this is what we saw with Buffalo, they got down seven, nothing, and they still covered that game easily against the Raiders last week. Well, Jacksonville, not exactly that kind of a quick strike offense, at least not right now. They only scored nine points against Kansas city last week. And, I think Kansas City defensively has played pretty well to start the year, but that's not exactly the steel curtain there in Kansas City. So uh, nine points last week, not great from the Jags. And then they were trailing against Indy, which is not a very good defense, 
21-17 going into the fourth quarter in week one, and they scored a pair of touchdowns to ultimately win 31-21 on drives that started in plus territory. Uh, One drive started on the Colts 46. The other drive started on the Colts 44. So my point is, even though they scored 31 in that game against Indy, a couple of short fields in the guts of the game turned 21-17 Indy into 31-21 Jacksonville. All Let's not mention that that Indy should have absolutely easily covered that game. Easily. <laughs> you know, four four shots from the, about it, but oh man, that plus five is still creeping in the back of my mind every week. Um, it was a it was a pick, and uh, one of the uh, I guess one of them was just a punt that resulted in um, starting drives in Indianapolis territory for Jacksonville. So. They score 17 through three quarters of that game. couple short fields turn it into 31. A little bit phony there. And then in week two, we talked about it. They only scored nine points. Uh, you've mentioned this a few times with Jacksonville still down Cam Robinson with a suspension. Uh, so it's just not a team that garners this number right now. Uh, and so Houston's definitely a play for us. I think the divisional dog angles in play here. Teams know each other. Uh, Houston won there last, week, last year, as I said. Uh, so, yeah, I'll take the Texans. Yeah, I love it. This line being nine and a half is the exact number that Baltimore was laying against Houston in week one. So we're essentially saying that, you know, Jacksonville is as good as Baltimore was in week one, which I completely disagree. I think Baltimore is a significantly better and more well-rounded team than the Jags are. I mean, we see this Jacksonville team not quite lay an egg, but they can't move the ball. Like you mentioned against the chiefs last week, you know, granted the Texans defense isn't great, but it is a defensive minded coach D'Amico Ryan's. I think he's going to have that and unit fired way, up a no bit. Cam Robinson, you know, maybe it's a big Will Anderson game for Houston. Exactly. I like that. I think the Cam Robinson aspect needs to be, you know, talked about every single week, which we're doing. I don't think it can be understated enough. You know, we saw this this indie pass rush get after Jacksonville. We also saw them do the same to, to Stroud last week. They had uh, six sacks against Stroud, but that was still Stroud's you know best game of his career so far. Put up 380 yards. Granted, you right, know, he hung some of in that's there. Garbage time, but exactly. So like. Just because it's garbage time doesn't mean you're going and to play well. And for this, that matters. You could, he could get through the back door. Absolutely. And that's exactly why it's tough to lay double digits in the NFL and why we will gladly take that because the back door is always open, as we as have seen. As long as the dog plays hard, it can the ball. Exactly. And this is not a team that's going to quit, especially with a rookie coach, rookie quarterback. I think that really gives you a team that's, you know, more fired up. They're out to prove something. And they're never out of it. You know, they could be down 17 and at nine and a half, you know, this back door is still potentially open. You go for two. Wacky shit happens. You know, you're down 14 and it's very, very much alive. Stroud is looking good. No interceptions on the season, which mm-hmm. is massive for a rookie quarterback. And that's huge no, for the back that, that's underdog. Also- yeah, a big dog. Like, you don't want to give them free points. Exactly. And he's not turning the ball over yet. Let's hope that continues. You know, we saw Jacksonville last week. They only sacked Mahomes once. 
are they going to really be uh, amping up the pressure that much? I, I just don't think they'll really have Stroud that much more rattled than he was last week. Like I mentioned, he was sacked six times, and he still had his best game of the season. I think we can see something similar. And, yeah, nine and a half, the back door is always open. All right, let's go to another division game in the AFC, and that's in the AFC East, where the New England Patriots go to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Jets in a game that uh, is interesting because of the big win streak that the Patriots take into this game. 14 consecutive games the Patriots have beaten the New York Jets. They're laying two in the hook, total of 37. Um, Honestly, if that win streak didn't exist, I might be on New England. It's weird how that I, – I just think that's like a in a year in which maybe the Jets season kind of goes awry because of the Rodgers injury, this feels very much like it could be the New York Jets Super Bowl. Uh, kind of, you know, hey, we went 8-9 and nine without Rodgers, but we still stopped the streak against the Pats, you know, something like that. Um, but, no, in terms of the football teams, I mean, we – Unfortunately, we're on the Jets, and that was a very slow death. I mean, they, they was, you know, it got to 10 and then 17, and it just kept growing. And then, you know, it, Dallas just kind of added on, added on. I think the game still landed under the posted total. But, you know, 30 yeah, I to can, 10. I can admit, you know, sometimes you have to just admit that you made a shit wager. And I, I will admit that was uh, absolute dog shit wager to trust uh Zach Wilson on the road. We were kind of expecting him to just against the Dallas defense. flawlessly, yeah, like flawlessly slide into that uh, offense because he knows the system. But against one of the better defenses in the NFL on the road, hand up, that was a poor pick. It was uh, a lot of uh, optimism there, and yeah. I will never be optimistic again. <laughs> so I can't back either team I don't think because again I, I do think that as I said this could be like the Jets all week like well this is the game we stopped the streak or at home the Pats can't score either we're going to beat them 13-10 or something like that um but I also think that even though we lost on them last week New England two games in like looked very competent against I, I don't know if Eagles and Dolphins is a Super Bowl nobody would be that surprised at that so like that's who they played and, you know, obviously for most of that game, they were playing from behind, but, you know, that game got pretty interesting at the end. So um, I don't think New England is a, you know, if you ranked the 0-2 teams, I'd have New England probably close to the top in terms of, you know, just who's good enough to turn their season around. Uh, th- so this would be that kind of get right spot for them where it's like, Hey, we lost a couple of close games at home, but you know, we were playing Super Bowl contenders. Now we're favored. Let's go beat the jets and get our season going. Um, so I think there's motivational angles in play in both sides here. Um, would probably lean under, uh, because, uh, you know, new England, while their offense looks better, still isn't that explosive. Uh, and I could see this being a 20 to 13 type game in either direction. So, no play, lean under, uh, and if you made me bet the side, I would lay it with New England. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. I'm going to currently pass. I feel like I'll probably get there with the Patriots, honestly. That streak 
you know, you mentioned the 14 game. It's weird how being so dominant just kind of kind of scares you off. Like just in your brain, you're thinking there's no way they can go 15 games in a row. Right. But then you have to kind of you kind of have to pull it back a bit and treat every game individually like those games. You know, the, the 14 straight games previously don't really matter right now. And I think I would much rather trust Mac Jones and Bill Belichick. And, you know, Jones actually was looking pretty damn solid last week. At one point, he was like eight for eight, looking, you know, very competent. And Zach Wilson, I cannot say the same for him. I'm I'm not ready to, you know, completely just give up on the Jets. I just think this number feels a little too low, despite, you know, me always preaching home divisional dogs. You would think this would be just a a automatic take the take the three points, which I'm seeing on DraftKings now, but strongly lean the Patriots here. All right, let's go to America's Dairyland, where the Green Bay Packers are two point favorite against the New Orleans Saints total in this game sitting at forty two and a half. I like the Cheeseheads here. Give me the Packers minus the short number. Green Bay starts its season one and one, an impressive road win at Soldier Field against the Bears, and then a you know game that could have gone either way. Ultimately, the Falcons survive by a point against the Packers uh, last week in Atlanta. But you know, but I'm surprised it took this long to kind of mention this angle, but. You got a lot of teams in week three playing their home openers, teams that started with a pair of road games and are now playing at home for the first time this season. Packers are one of those teams. And I think a lot of their fans maybe were over Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, there's that story about the bar in Wisconsin that's doing promos every week. The Jets lose. You get free drinks. So I think there's definitely a lot of people that just with Rodgers gone feel like they can exhale. But I think a lot of Packer fans probably have to watch Jordan Love these first couple games and say, hey, we might have our guy. It might have been worth the wait. And I think you're going to get a really fired up Lambeau crowd on Sunday afternoon. On top of that, we expect Christian Watson to make his season debut after missing a couple games with a hamstring injury. Uh, So another weapon for Jordan Love and, and, you know, Watson's absence didn't seem to matter because, you know, Green Bay certainly looked competent two weeks in offensively. Um, You know, so even though it doesn't look like um, Aaron Jones is going to play, you get Watson back in there. Romeo Dobbs scored a couple times against Chicago. I think they're certainly going to be able to move the ball enough here. Um, So I think even though the names are maybe a little bit more recognizable on the New Orleans offense, Derek Carr, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, uh, still this is the last game of Alvin Kamara's suspension, so they don't have him yet. I actually think the Green Bay offense is the better offense right now. So I like the better offense laying less than three. Um, and also, we've talked about how we like that Green Bay defense. A lot of guys, they've invested a lot of draft capital on that defense. Um, you know, Quay Walker had that great pick six in week one against the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, Lucas Van Ness, their first rounder this year, is a lot, edge defender out of Iowa. Um, Ken, there's a defensive lineman, Deontay Wyatt, another guy that they've drafted recently high on the defense. So uh, we like that defense. Um, and, you know, obviously – we talked about uh, uh, Chris Olave. I mentioned him. Obviously, he's an exciting receiver. Well, uh, Green Bay obviously has one of the better corners in football, Jair Alexander, uh, which, you know, and, and we talked about it last week, how the matchup for uh, Carrot New Orleans was a little bit more favorable because J.C. Horn wasn't there in the Carolina secondary. So perhaps a bit of a taller task 
for the, uh, you know, Chris Olave going against Jair Alexander. So all of this is to say, I'm not sure New Orleans is going to score that much here. I mean, Derek Carr might just be watched. He doesn't seem to be able to hit a lot of big plays so far. And I, any, I say this a lot of times when teams move off of quarterbacks and obviously it worked out for Matt Stafford going to the Rams, but, and Brady went to the uh, Bucks, but I don't even know if you can include him because he was always leaving. Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, when teams move off of these guys they've had forever, even if they're a stupid team in general like the Raiders, I feel like with how hard it is to find quarterbacks, they know this guy might not have it anymore. And that's the vibe I'm getting with Derek Carr. So all of this is to say that in this spot, Packers fired up Lambeau crowd. Love looks good. Better offense inside a field goal. Uh, I think Green Bay wins this game. Let's call it. 30 to 16. I love it. I love the the Packers coming home. Saints back-to-back road games. I think the Lambeau crowd is going to be absolutely fired up, like you mentioned. Home debut. I just think this is a great spot. feels like a really good bounce-back spot. I kind of like this more after the Packers losing. A very 100%. close game. Like more like, like no complacency, like no fat and happy. All of exactly. It. New Orleans 2-0. and Packers should be 2-0, and but they lost. I, I think I like this a lot more now that they did lose. Yeah, on paper, New Orleans should have the better weapons, but I think there is a big disconnect there at quarterback. Not high on car at all. And I think it, you know, not to mention the coaching mismatch. I think Dennis Allen is is still one of the worst coaches in the NFL. Honestly, I, I don't know how he has a job. You know, <laughs> J, no J.C. Horn last week with those weapons you have, and you can only muster, you know, 20 points in what was an incredible, ugly game. Like, they were, they were kind of lucky to, to put up 20. We're fairly high on the Packers' defense. You know, Jordan Love. Six touchdowns to no interceptions. As a young guy, not turning the ball over, you know, similar to what we were saying about Shroud, that's absolutely massive when you have these young dudes who are protecting the ball. I mean, that, that can't be overstated. I think that keeps you in games and puts you in positions to win. Now, they should have won last week. They were leading much of the game. They looked pretty damn solid. New Orleans, on the other hand, did not – yeah, I, I really like the Packers coming back home here. So a consensus play there on the Green Bay Packers as we move forward here with a game in South Beach where Russell Wilson and company will head on the road. The Denver Broncos catching six in the hook against the Dolphins. Total of 48 and a half. Uh, Alex, this is more a play for you than for me, but you're starting to warm me up to the Denver side here as – the Broncos, I do think, were, you know, week one, their offense was stuck in the mud. Then week two, their defense blows the lead. But Russ plays well last week. I think that, you know, they hit that big Hail Mary. Maybe that kind of rejuvenates them a little bit. So I, even though we were on them and they fucked us over, I can see how, like, the offense turning a corner – a little bit, maybe like you like them this week. 
the biggest thing for me here is I think this is actually a sneaky good spot to fade the Dolphins. Uh, now, we obviously did that last week and lost with the Pats, but look at the last two weeks for the Dolphins. They win this thriller, barn burner, shootout game at SoFi against the Chargers. Uh, you know, Tyreek has 215 yards. And then week two, divisional opponent on the road, Sunday night football, down to the wire, by an inch, the, you know, the offensive lineman for New England on a crazy play from Gesicki laterals it back to Cole Strange, and, and he just can't get it, and Miami escapes with a victory. So they've had these two pretty emotional wins, and now they're coming back home against the Broncos, and they're laying almost a touchdown. Like, you could, I could definitely see how Miami, young coach who might not be as, you know, week to week, you know, plugging his team into not overlooking any opponent. Maybe McDaniel himself is a little fat and happy. I definitely think that the Dolphins are maybe primed for a little bit of a letdown spot. And we also looked at the weather. A lot of rain and thunderstorms coming through the Miami area. Uh, humidity not horrible relative to the temperature. It's like 65 70% humidity, but the temperature just in the 80s. Uh, so we always worry a little bit about Miami humidity in September. But... Rain would favor Denver because it would, you know, reduce the big plays, we would think. And that's more likely to be Miami than Denver. So you kind of got me closer to the Denver side. I don't know that I'll get there with my own dollars, but I know you like Denver as well. Yeah, you uh, completely nailed it there. This this feels like a great spot to, to fade Miami and, you know, take nearly a touchdown with Denver team who we saw the offense finally pick it up, which has been their uh, Achilles heel for over an entire season. So that was a uh, really promising to put up, you know, 33 points. Granted it, it did take a, a wacky uh, Hail Mary there to get an additional six, but still their offense was clicking. You know, this game was 21 to three against the commanders at one point, And then they just kind of, Took their foot off the gas there a bit, but I, I think this is just a great spot to fade Miami. You know, they might be down Waddle. I would kind of expect him not to play. You know, dealing with a concussion, he didn't practice today, and I think Miami is going to be, you know, hyper-conservative with concussion stuff after last season, the things we saw with Tua yeah, and, you know, coming back too early. I, I think they'll be – Super cautious in that element and not having Waddle. Now you can put, you know, Patrick Sertain, one of the best corners in the NFL against Tyreek Hill. No one's going to stop Hill. We're just kind of asking them to contain him. And there's, you know, scattered thunderstorms in the weather report. I think that kind of mucks it up a bit, which makes me love the underdog that much more. Like I mentioned, Denver's offense looking better. So I'm just kind of expecting their defense to, you know, come back a little bit this week. That's their stronger unit. I think what we saw against the Patriots last week was pretty promising from, you know, Patriots defensive perspective. They were able to contain them a bit. They certainly did not look like the explosive Miami that we saw in week one, you know, Tua went under his passing yards. The game went under the total. 
in a game I kind of expect to be similar, lower scoring, I'll, I'll definitely take the, the six and a half points there. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the only side I think you can play, and it's just a matter of if you can kind of stomach going back to the well. I mean, this is something that I like to preach, too. Just because you get burned by a team one week, don't hold grudges. I mean, that's not going to be good. So you got to be able to get back up off the mat and plug your nose and go right back with the team that fucked you over. And that would be us with Denver this week. Uh, you know, we were thinking Giants, uh, as we talked about when we looked at that game, and the Giants were a team that we were on last week, laying the short number against the Cardinals. So um, you got to be able to, you know, just generally, you know, gambling proverb here to swallow some pride, get over the fact that a team boned you, and if you like them again the following week, go right back to the well. With that said, Let's move forward and go to the game in the nation's capital as it is the Washington Commanders hosting the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo laying six in the hook, total of 48 and a half. I can't do it with Washington uh, you know, as much as I love a home dog of getting a touchdown almost. Excuse me. I think this is one of the phonier teams in football needing to go kind of all out effort against Arizona and against Denver. You know, that's not a good sign. Now you got Buffalo coming in Buffalo, obviously feeling a lot better about itself after that blowout win last week against the Raiders. So it's square. I would lean with Buffalo probably won't bet the game. Um, I will say, I, I think for Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy. If there was ever a telltale game, it would be this one. Because if they end up having to go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen, and if they can prove up to that task, then maybe they have something there with uh, you know that play caller and that quarterback. So we'll see. But it's a pass for me. I think that at the end of the day, Washington is still a boring team. And the Bills are, as I said, a pretty square side here. So, uh, you know, I'll probably stay away. Um, but you you mentioned it a little bit before we jumped on. That Washington defensive front, now that everybody's healthy, pretty damn good. So I guess that would be the path for Washington is to hit Josh Allen enough to where they can keep this game in the 20s. And that's kind of why I'm I'm leaning Washington. I do love a home underdog. I know Josh this, Allen. This is stinky, though. This is one of the, the stinkier ones. I, I would say this is significantly stinkier than plugging your nose with Denver. This is a, a pretty gross one, despite being this at home. a fucking landfill. Denver might just be a dump. <laughs> well, that's pretty fitting with it being at FedEx Field, with being you know, <laughs> one, of the, one of the dumpiest stadiums in the league. But they might have a little home field now. There's buzz, you know, 2-0. and This will probably be Dan absolutely gone. packed. Yeah, just being with a new owner. I mean, there's so much life just being in the D.C. area. I mean, I have friends that had literally sworn off the team and weren't watching or actively participating. And then once the sale was official, I mean, these people are buying fucking jerseys and they're, 
they're completely back yeah, in. And this I mean, is another one of those uh, week three home openers. Or no, and, they didn't play week one at FedEx, uh, but maybe a little bit more renewed energy with that crowd. To your point. Yeah, and you know, being two and zero, I think I think that gets them completely fired up. I think Denver was uh, a scheduled loss for for most Washington fans, and to you know come back and. That was one of the more impressive wins, I think, of week two. Just absolutely gutsy on the road down 21 to three. And then, you know, next thing you know, they're scoring before half and then they come out and, you know, the game's tied and completely new ball game. That was absolutely gutsy. I'm honestly shocked how good Sam Howell looked in his uh, road debut there. I think this Bills team is a little different, but, you know, that Washington front, if they're going to get after anyone, it's going to be Allen. And we've seen, you know, the recipe for success. If you can do that, he's going to make some of the worst fucking throws you've ever seen. I mean, against the Jets, just chucking it downfield to absolutely no one, turning the ball over, you know, three times, just looking terrible. If it's something similar to that, which I think Washington has one of the best fronts in the NFL. I think Montez Sweat is one of the best defensive linemen that's not getting, you know, talked about enough. He's, he's up there with the the Parsons and the Watts of the world right now, statistically, but, you know, being in Washington, small market does not get talked about. I, I think that's the path to victory. If they can, you know, rattle Allen enough, turn the ball over a couple times, keep this close. I think the offense has enough to, you know, keep this game on the ground with Robinson. I would strongly lean Washington. I don't know if I can get there. I know the Bills are going to be super popular. You know, every single teaser in the entire world is going to have the Bills down to, you know, just to win the game. And you talked about not doing that. Exactly. I mean, this feels similar to like what I said last week. Like, don't tease them down. They either they lose the game or they win by double digits. Like the Bills absolutely rolled last week. That's why I was saying I wouldn't put them in my teasers. I would just lay it. This is something similar where I see they're going to lose the game outright or they're going to absolutely roll. It's going to be a pass for me, but I am looking to Washington. I'm just not super confident. All right, let's go to the Motor City, where I am growing increasingly confident in this side. It was not one that I originally circled, but, um, you know, I I think I'm going to get there with the Atlanta Falcons, a road dog of three, three and a half. It looks like total of 46 in the hook against Detroit. And the reason I like this so much, C.J. Gardner-Johnson just goes on IR for the Dolphins, or excuse me, for the Lions, uh, and not just Gardner-Johnson. But the weekly injury report, I mean, because Gardner Johnson's not even on it because he's on IR. But the Lions are, I mean, this is not good. Safety, the other safety, Kirby Joseph, did not practice today with a hip injury. Emmanuel Mosley, nursing both a knee and hamstring injury. That's a corner. Um, So their secondary looks to be pretty riddled with injuries right now. This could be a nice Drake London game. We saw him break out last week. Uh, and then you look at the offensive line. Taylor Decker not practicing today with an ankle injury. Uh, 
Halapuli Bati Vatai. I think I got that right. He played for the Eagles. They're my team, so I should know that. He did not practice today with a knee injury. He's a guard. Uh, Frank, Frank Ragnall was a full participant. He's a center, but listed on the injury report with a toe injury, so he may not be 100%. So their offensive line looks dinged up. And Amonra St. Brown, one of their probably their best receiver, not practicing with a toe injury. So I just reeled off offensive line injuries, secondary injuries, and a wide receiver, and probably their best playmaker. Um, and oh, David Montgomery also not practicing with a thigh injury. So then there's their running back, and they're laying points. And you talked about it, Alex, even before all those injuries. The Lions might just not be that good. Like it. Like, people probably don't like to hear that because they were, like, a fun pick with how they ended last year. Dan Campbell, everybody likes him. But they had a nice win week one against the Chiefs, which they wouldn't have won if Kadarius Tony could catch the ball. And then they lose as, a, like, a five-point favorite against Seattle at home last week. And I'm in on Atlanta. I think even though Arthur Smith doesn't take as many chances downfield and it feels like this offense should be more explosive than it is, I think this is my pick to win the NFC South. Atlanta catching points against a banged-up Detroit team that might still be a little overpriced. Starting to like this quite a bit. Falcons plus the points. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that's the only side you could look to. I think Detroit is still being significantly overvalued. You know, this line opened at 5. And now it's down to three on DraftKings. So, you know, a ton of professional money. Because early in the week, there's not, you know, the most novice bettors are probably not tying their money up until Sunday. Most of, uh, you know, casual people are betting either daily or, you know, waiting until Sunday for the most part. So that's only professional money coming in to bring that line down over two points. I think that's the only side you can look to. You mentioned all those injuries. And I'm just not remotely sold on Detroit. I mean, we talked about last week. We loved loved the Seahawks in a similar spot. Road underdogs. And now, you know, it's three. So they're trying to tell us that Atlanta's better than the Seahawks. Or, you know, this is what the Lions are that they're not great I mean week one I'm still not over that how it took a completely fluke pick six to get them to 21 points against the Chiefs without Chris Jones and you know no Travis Kelsey I'm just not sold on this Detroit hype at all and we kind of saw that last week like the hype couldn't have been higher last week and they lose outright I could see something similar I think you definitely take the points here. It's interesting that the total is down, you know, it's 46 and a half. Last week we saw 52s. Seattle is a solid offense, but I certainly like Bijan Robinson in this uh, this Falcons offense a good bit too. I think the total well, Like I said, I think with the low. secondary problems for Detroit, it could be a big Drake London game. Yeah, I like that. I, I think the over is a good look. I would take the points. I, I could see Atlanta winning this game outright. You know, two dome teams, so that's not a concern. You know, teams play way better indoors for obvious reasons. There's no elements. 
I think we could see a, a shootout again this week. All right, let's move forward to the Indianapolis Colts against the Baltimore Ravens. Indy catching seven and a hook, total of 45 and a half. Um, I have no play on this game. I do think the Ravens are going to be a popular teaser leg. I will say this. If Anthony Richardson was healthy, I'd probably take the Colts because the – First off, Shane Steichen looks like a good hire by Indianapolis. They were doing a lot of things to throw Houston off. I think some of the things that they were doing with Richardson and uh, how successful they were offensively with, again, not the best wide receivers there, uh, an indicator that I think Steichen will prove to be a pretty good coach for the Colts. Uh, But also, I know it's only Wednesday, so Thursday is kind of the big reason why we like to record Thursdays is because that's kind of the big Injury report day, it's kind of the telltale day where if you can, if you're DNP on Wednesday, you can get back out there Thursday and still end up playing. But the Ravens injury report this week, not looking great. Odell Beckham Jr. did not practice Wednesday with an ankle injury. Uh, Jadavia Clowney, just an illness, so maybe he's good by the rest of the week, but he did not practice. Um, Running back Justice Hill, not practicing with a foot injury. Uh, And then the secondary, uh, Marcus Williams did not practice with a pec injury. Marlon Humphrey still hasn't played yet this year, nursing that foot injury. And yesterday they put uh, defensive back Ardarius Washington on IR with a an upper body injury. So they're a little dinged up in the secondary. As I said, if Anthony Richardson was playing, not that he's the cleanest thrower of the football, but I could see myself on the Colts. You mentioned that Colts defense uh, hitting Stroud a little bit last week. Also worth noting, Ronnie Stanley. Not practicing for the Ravens. Tyler Linderbaum not practicing for the Raiders, Ravens. This was a reason we liked the Bengals last week was because the Ravens had offensive line problems, you know, health-wise. That still seems to be the case a little bit here early in the week. So, um, you know, it's still just Wednesday. They could get better there. But this is my way of saying I'd be a little leery of the Ravens. Richardson in the concussion protocol, so we'll have to see on him. Uh, but I don't think I would lay the points with Baltimore uh, this is a pass for me, and I just wanted to uh, give some caution to anybody who's maybe thinking about a Baltimore teaser or using Baltimore as a survivor pick. I think you can do better this week. Yeah, we made we made similar points last week, and you know none of it seemed to matter. <laughs> I think the Ravens are just so well coached that they can just kind of plug and play and still yeah. play at you know such a high level. Maybe last week was kind of different because it was a divisional opponent. I feel like teams get up, you know, a lot more for divisional games. And we saw that, you know, they plugged in a bunch of guys. I I would assume that all these dudes are probably going to be out again that were out last week. And that didn't seem to be an issue at all. But I, I do think your uh, your words of caution are warranted and fair. I probably would throw Baltimore in teasers. I'm not big into teasers, but if you are, I, I think this is a great spot. You get them under two. I think they're going to win this game, especially at home. I think M&T Bank is one of the better home field advantages. Just those Baltimore fans get absolutely rowdy. I think AFC North just in general kind of has some of the better fans in the country. That, oh, no doubt. That, that blue collar rust belt sort of vibe. Those people still get absolutely hammered and ready yeah. to cheer for some football. I, I'm, I'm just kind of worried though. My biggest concern is like how much of a drop off is it from, from Richardson to Minshew? 
I think Minshew is one of the more serviceable backups in the NFL. I'm and was with Stike in the last too. couple of years in Philly, too. That's a great point as well. So, you know, he certainly knows that offense that they're running. So that was a sharp backup to bring in. That being said, I'm, I'm definitely not going to take the seven and a half with the Colts, especially with the with the quarterback concerns. I wouldn't wouldn't fault anyone for uh, teasing the Ravens. I certainly will not be. I'm going to pass. I would probably look to the under, if anything, and just, you know, hope to some more conservative game plans. And then I think you would ideally expect the Ravens offensive line, those injuries to add up a little bit more against this Colts front that we saw, you know, give Jacksonville absolute problems. I think we could see something similar. This feels like a great under spot. Sleepy game as well, right? 1 p.m. against the Colts, you know, with the quarterback concerns. Like, how how, uh, how can you get up? I mean, you're obviously professionals. You're getting up for every single game. But if there's a sleepier spot on the card, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I, that's a good point. I mean, this is kind of one of those games where you – especially the – you're talking about sleepy games. It kind of, that's kind of what it felt like when Baltimore hosted Houston a little bit and the Ravens end up covering, but it was – not really a game that had a lot of big plays, and they just kind of went right. 20, twenty-five to nine, and the the Texans were kind of hanging in there tough in the first half. Maybe look to a first half under if you're thinking sleepy game. Yeah, quarterback plays down. Colts defensive line can kind of handle the Ravens backup offensive line. Could be a very slow start for both teams. First half under, I might have just talked myself into it to be honest. <laughs> All right, let's go across the country to the Pacific Northwest. The Seattle Seahawks are a five-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 42 against the Carolina Panthers. Alex, probably the most public side of the week here is going to be Seattle because I think Seattle was very public in week one against um, the Rams. And then I think probably what happened was they lost, and a lot of the people didn't want to go back to Seattle last week against the Lions. And now all the people that bet Seattle in week one are saying, that team last week was the Seattle team that I bet on. And they're going to go right back to the well and bet the Seahawks in week three against the Panthers team that doesn't look like it can score. Um, for that reason alone, I won't play the game um, because it's never that easy. Um, but gosh. Never. So, why, why is this line not, you know, we're seeing some of these home favorites. You see Jacksonville nine and a half in a divisional game, Baltimore seven and a half with quarterback concerns. Why is this six? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, the only, you know, if, if Carolina had just looked at all functional offensively, I could, could I could talk myself into this, but Bryce Young does not look good at all. And you know, maybe some of that's just first year growing pains, new coach in Carolina too, a lot of new. Well, they, they looked bad. They looked bad for you know fifty four minutes. They looked good for four. So like, can you can you put stock into I'm, I'm with you. Like, if Carolina looked, you know, remotely competent for, for half the game even, then I might consider taking the plus six. But on the road in what is actually one of the best home fields, it's, yeah. it's really tough Going to get there. Country, it's a tough spot, it feels like, for Bryce Young. It does. But with that being said, I mean, neither of us are running to back Seattle either. No, you're right. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> Yeah, so I think we agree pass here. 
Yeah, definitely. And then a total of 42, you're basically relying on the Seahawks to really uh, pull their weight and cover like such a low total for, uh, you know, a Carolina Panthers team that without JC Horn again, it looks and Seattle with, you know, all the weapons in the world at their wide receiver room. I mean, they might have the best wide receiver room in the league. I, I don't know if that's hyperbole, just, you know, top to bottom with sure. Metcalf, Lockett, and their uh, rookie from Ohio State. I cannot pronounce his name. But then Janino Smith is, you know, very serviceable. So now you have a total of 42. I think that's speaking to how bad the Panthers are. Or, but then the line's only six. It's just... It's very weird. And that's why we won't talk about it anymore. So let's go <laughs> to the desert where the Dallas Cowboys are laying 12 against the Arizona Cardinals, total of 43. The 2-0 against the spread, Arizona Cardinals, I might add, as the Cardinals – you gosh, Alex, season could not have started out any better for them. They can – Jonathan Gannon can do the whole coach speak. You know, our guys are battling. We're playing hard. But obviously they want to lose – they're in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. We've all circled that for them. And, of course, they have the Texans' first rounder, too, so they could be looking at two top five picks. Uh, about I mean, the do you think start. there's a happier happier GM in the country right now than Arizona Cardinals? Like, we're, we're bad, but we're competitive. Like, we're keeping the fans kind of looped in, even though this weird-ass coach, like the fire in the belly thing was super bizarre. Right. But, like, we're, we're covering games. We're great. We're, we're competing. We're not absolutely dog shit that fans don't want to come out. But we're not winning games because we don't want to win games. We have Josh Dobbs playing yeah. quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah, I know. I, I completely agree with that. Um, the problem is, and I hate to say this as an Eagles fan, I think the Cowboys through two weeks are the best team in the NFL. And I'm willing to say that even though it was Zach Wilson last week, I still think the eye test, and we were on that game, watched a lot of it. Like, Cowboys moved the ball pretty easily against that Jets defense, which we thought was pretty good. So, now, are they going to get up for this game? Obviously, they've been in two big-time TV windows, Sunday Night Football, and then they were the Nance Romo game last week and a lighter card in the late afternoon. I think there were only, like, two or three other games going on at that time. And I don't know. Um, and we talk about... NFL not wanting to give that many points. So, I don't know. Uh, this is stinky game. I'll pass it. Yeah, I think this is one of the tougher games on the slate to handicap, honestly, because it's very difficult to lay, you know, nearly two touchdowns, 12 points. Like we say, you, you could do worse just taking – underdogs of double digits and then you have a home underdog of plus 12 there's just there's just not much to get excited about with the cardinals like yeah they played the giants super competitive but are we high on the giants right now not not really i mean we saw the cowboys absolutely blow them out but then you look at the the numbers you know cardinals plus 12 and the totals 43 you're getting 12 points with one of the lower totals on the board it's it's kind of hard not to but also can i really plug my nose and 
you know, back Josh fucking Dobbs against what we think is <laughs> the best defense in the NFL. I'm I'm not so sure. This could get absolutely out of hand. It wouldn't surprise me at all if you know Dallas covers this number in the total. I mean, easily, right? And then you're completely regretting taking the points. Yeah, I could see the Cowboys absolutely roll and you know cover the spread and cover the total almost by themselves. We saw last week that Cardinals defense is nothing to write home about, you know, with that comeback against the Giants. This is one of those games that, you know, I wish they could flex to 1 p.m. and just put on no TVs at the bar. This could get ugly, but either way, I, I don't want anything to do with it. All right, let's go to another massive point spread at Arrowhead. The Chicago Bears are 13-point road dog against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, Alex, normally we'd be all over the dog as this is that typical Mahomes massive favorite spot. The oddsmakers have done a great job making it difficult to win with Kansas City as they, you know, really price them uh, to the point where they don't cover these numbers. And we've seen it time and time again with the Chiefs. But gosh, the Bears, their defensive coordinator resigns today. His home's getting raided by the FBI. Uh, r- rumors of uh, Hallis Hall at the team facility getting raided. Apparently that wasn't true. But Justin Fields goes on this long diatribe about how he's not playing that well and kind of hints at the coaching staff without saying it. And then the reporters kind of follow up and he basically says, maybe coaching is why I'm bad. And then has to kind of get in front of the mics again at his outside his locker after his scheduled availability and say, no, you know, I wasn't calling out the coaches. I got to play better. Like, there's just all <laughs> Has sports. there ever been a quicker backpedal slash, you know, Dude, walk back like in the history? Minutes. Literally, like, I was scrolling Twitter. I see the stuff about the coach thing. Everyone's clowning him. Like, he's not taking any responsibility. Fifteen minutes later, there's a video of him taking full responsibility saying, you know, if a receiver drops a pass, that's on me. Well, I, I don't know if that's quite on you, dude. Like you're taking everything. But, but the fact that he's down, saying that he is, walked it back in ten he's trying minutes. to overcompensate. It was insane to watch yeah. in real time. This team is in complete fucking shambles. Complete shambles. Listen, we talked about this, you know, now I you know, it's easy to say it in hindsight, but now I wish I just bet more on Green Bay in week one because we were saying we're going to look back on this line and be like, holy shit, the pa- the Bears were favored against the Packers. And I'm saying that right now, you know. So the Bears are a complete mess. Um, but the Chiefs, I mean, they're laying 13, Alex. They scored 17 last week. It's It's honestly hard to believe. And you mentioned that Mahomes double digit. I looked up the numbers. He's seven thirteen and one against his spread as a double digit favorite. That's thirty five percent. But he's seven ten and one against the spread as a double digit favorite at Arrowhead. So his only covers as a double digit favorite do come at home. I want to take the Bears so bad, but after today, it's just it it feels impossible to get behind this team. Like they have. Weapons, Fields at his best can be, you know, an absolutely incredible explosive player. And he gets 
all his guys involved. DJ Moore, one of the better receivers in the league. They brought him in. You know, there was so much promise, so much hype around the offense. The defense we knew was going to be shit. So I'm I'm not surprised how bad the defense is. But yeah, the defensive coordinator resigns. You know, there's allegations out there, rumors swirling. Terrible shit. I mean, he seems like an absolute scumbag and not for uh, results on the field, not for his defense being dog shit. And now you're on the road, you know, double-digit dog. It's just impossible to back this. You know, team. Like, maybe if, the only thing is, like, maybe the defensive players are like, yeah, this fucker's gone. Like, now we can play. Get fired up, like, uh, like, like how like, we, like, interim coaches, you know, right, interim yeah. head coaches. Like, even then. It's just, it's an impossible game. This this week three slate, they've left us with several that I don't feel bad at all about not betting. It just sucks that all three of these, like, worst games of the week are all coming in the 4 o'clock window. Oh, yeah. I mean, gosh, yeah, Carolina, Seattle, It's going to be like an unwatchable, unwatchable stretch of, you know, all these games. Maybe just... Just take the under and hope the Chiefs win like thirty-five to three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, let's go to Sunday Night Football. We have an intriguing line with the Steelers going to Sin City to take on the Raiders. Total of forty-three. Here's a Raiders team playing its home opener, one and one. Steelers short week traveling cross country. Normally we'd be on Tomlin as a dog, but Alex. This line is just weirding me out because I figured that we'd see more like Pick or Steelers as the short favorite because even though, yes, the offense leaves a lot to be desired for Pittsburgh right now, what exactly has the Raiders offense done that makes you all that confident? Josh Jacobs, I, I saw a tweet of all his rushes for the season, and it was like zero, 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 one, uh, four, and like there, there, there was like nothing. He's been bad. Um, and... You know, Garoppolo obviously hasn't given me any reason to think he's anything other than what I always thought he was, which was just a game managing type that can look pretty bad at times. So I thought the Raiders were one of the worst teams in the NFL coming into the season. And they haven't really given me anything to deviate off that other than winning 17-16 in week one against the, uh, uh, the Broncos. So why are they favored like this? Say what you want about Pittsburgh's offense and scoring two defensive touchdowns last week. I absolutely think that they can win this game, but it's just the line is so weird. I don't think I can do it like this is this feels way off. And when it's so when I think it's so far off, I cannot bet the game or I would have to bet the Raiders just out of principle, out of respect to the odds makers who I'm sure are going to get a lot of Pittsburgh action um, with this being a primetime game. Uh, Steelers, bigger fan base, uh, catching points off a primetime win. So I can't do it with the Raiders, so I'll pass. Yeah, I don't I don't blame you at all. I, I know this open Steelers minus one, and now they're up to plus two and a half on DraftKings. And honestly, I support the line movement wholeheartedly i don't know if that's money coming in on the raiders or if that's just the books kind of adjusting after seeing sunday night i mean yeah monday night um literally the worst offense in the nfl which is wild because on paper they have 
you know, way more weapons than most. I mean, we saw George now, Pickens. Pickens that one catch and run was great. <laughs> that was the that was the entire offense. I know in the fourth quarter they ran nine plays for negative seven yards, and they won the game, which is absolutely insane. I know you're super low on the Raiders, and rightfully so. The offense is is pretty bad, but I don't think so. Is this total low enough at 43? I don't know. Maybe yeah, a, maybe under. No, yeah. So I I did play the under. I I played yeah. the under. Actually, I played the under before Monday Night Football. It was 44 and a half. Hey. Down to 43. I don't think that's low enough. I still like the under a lot. I think the Steelers have. One of the better fronts in the NFL, their secondary leaves a lot to be desired. Patrick Peterson, you know, looks completely washed, to be honest. He's decent in coverage, but he seems to get always beat. You know, guys are making catches all over him. Mari Cooper made him look terrible. Week before that, it was IU just completely burning him. The secondary is terrible. Mika Fitzpatrick went to the hospital. He, you know, chest contusion. He checked out. He seems to be all right. I'm sure he will go. That's a huge boost to the secondary, which is terrible. But the the front seven, it doesn't matter how bad your secondary is when you have, you know, TJ Watt and Highsmith getting downhill every single play, sacking the quarterback. You, by the way, on the secondary, did you think that Joey Porter Jr. should have been called for pass interference on Donovan Peoples-Jones? Uh, I honestly think that ball was was pretty uncatchable. And, I mean, there was a tug. There was definitely holding there. It's just a matter of if the ref saw it. And they might have deemed that the ball was so poorly thrown by Deshaun Watson, who's absolute ass. Maybe they just thought it was such a bad throw that it didn't affect the play. It was close. I mean, I'm sure Cleveland betters thought it was a terrible call. Me on the Steelers, I thought it was a phenomenal call and great coverage by Porter. Absolute legend. But, yeah, I, I love the under. Steelers' defense is great. Steelers' defense, their offense is atrocious. Raiders' offense is mediocre. Raiders' defense is not good. But, you know, the Steelers' offense can't move the ball at all. Najee Harris stuck in mud the guy just is not explosive yeah what how did he get so slow when did that happen i mean he did have an injury his third year he looks absolutely broken he looks like a 10-year vet running in mud i i think they'll honestly go to Jalen warren sooner than later but that's also a tough call to make being that Najee is a first round pick and this all falls on matt canada the offensive coordinator is not good. The play calling's poor. They run the ball into the line every single first down, you know, puts the team behind the sticks. And Kenny Pickett does not look right. I think the under looks great. It's going to get bet down for sure, right? Primetime under. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's not going to close. I, I will say, I do think if the Steelers can start to figure things out a little bit offensively, maybe in this game, they play Houston next week. You could be looking at three and one heading into a big game in week five against Baltimore. So just something to think about. Right. This is definitely a a great, great spot for the Steelers to get right. It's a funky just, line. Exactly, which is which is terrifying. I do but I, I will say 
you got to like Pittsburgh in a teaser, right? Like, they're not going to get blown out here. No, you get them up to eight, eight and, and a half. half with a total of 43. Yeah, I, I think that's a great one. Steelers, Bengals, or Steelers, Ravens, Bills. I mean, how about Steelers, Rams? Six point we'll get to that in a minute. I like all those options. All right. uh, Before we get to Rams, Bengals, Philadelphia traveling to Tampa Bay, Eagles catching, or excuse me, giving five total of 46 line moving down. This open six and a half, seven now down to five. I think there's probably some pros that are betting against the Eagles right now because the offense has looked a little bit, you know, sloggy. They've just been treading water uh, doing enough, you know, last week they had to go to the run against Minnesota and it ended up being a big DeAndre Swift game. Um, but, you know, Alex, for as much as I think a lot of the focus on Tampa was at quarterback in the offseason, they still have some pretty good players on defense. And I think that's shown itself the first two weeks, obviously, against Minnesota and against Chicago. They did a good job limiting the big plays for the other team's offense. So maybe that's part of it in terms of Tampa. Like, I think Tampa still stinks. Like I can't believe they're two and zero, but I, I I do think that their defense is not bad. And, you know, Baker's been playing mistake free football and it's worked out to get the bucks to two and zero. I'm not going to be on the bucks, but I do think the Eagles are, eh, you know, I, I'm still not there in terms of laying points with them. Uh, even last week when their offense, we talked about mentioned Swift really looking better. They hit on a big play to Devonta Smith. that went for a touchdown. Like there were glimpses of it. But over the course of the full 60 minutes, Brian Johnson, the new offensive coordinator for the Eagles, did not fully look up to the task. That game especially started really ugly for both teams. No, and that's kind of similar to the, the Patriots game. Once once Brian Johnson gets out of his scripted plays, the offense just kind of seems to sputter. Like the, yeah. the passing game is completely dead compared to what it was last year. And yeah, no, exactly. So uh, – we talk about it a lot. Like, this isn't a huge number, but, you know, with favorites, especially road favorites, where it looks like you got the easy, better team, no doubt about it, you want to be able to have them score quickly. And right now, that's not what the Eagles are doing. So, uh, I I think I just passed this game. Like, I, I don't like this much from a gambling standpoint. Yeah. No, I'm completely with you. I will be passing. Being that it's a standalone game, you know, I'm going to play something. I'll probably look to the to the under. Unfortunately, you know, at this point, we've completely missed the number. I saw Bucks open six and a half. Now it's down to four and a half. You know, at six and a half, that would be a play on Tampa at home. You know, very serviceable. Baker Mayfield, like you mentioned, he's not turning the ball over. But we have seen in the past, he's... He's not due, but he will have those games where he just completely blows up. And maybe that happens against this Eagles front that's that's really good. And, you know, a Bucks offensive line that we're not super high on. But and and that's just, the problem area for Tampa, right? As bad as the Eagles have looked at times exactly. offensively, I think their defense has played well. Yeah, definitely. I'm just not running to lay it with the Eagles either. I think I would look to launder if anything. Full agreement there. Let's wrap up in Southwest Ohio. The Bengals hosting the Rams. Number being hung on this game. Rams catching two and a half total of 44. But Alex, we saw a big move on this game, I believe on Monday, from about six and a half, seven, down to two and a half. 
certainly a signal and an indicator that Joe Burrow, if he even plays, is going to be far from 100%. Reports of him re-aggravating the knee, or excuse me, the calf injury against Baltimore last week. We talked about it before we jumped on. The Bengals, while they're 0-2 again, and they got to the AFC Championship game last year despite starting 0-2, this feels like there's a floor here with the Bengals that is very concerning on the basis that Zach Taylor doesn't seem like the kind of coach that problem solves his way through things the way a Kyle Shanahan might where, you know, Shanahan has started seasons three and five or four and six and ended up in the NFC championship game. And so I think the Bengals are the kind of team that are now facing some more adversity and think about how garbage this franchise was before Joe Burrow got there. And now you're talking about Joe Burrow not being at 100%. It just doesn't seem like the kind of team that finds, that finds a way to win despite the quarterback, who's a franchise quarterback, you know, being far from 100%. So Jamar Chase talking about how they need to get the ball downfield more. I do think this, you know, the, the T. Higgins contract problems, I think that this could be one of those situations that, like, egos get in the way and the Bengals, as the year unfolds, are, you know, one of the bigger disappointments in the NFL this year. It, it feels like they could. It feels like they could absolutely unravel. Like you mentioned, Zach Taylor, he's not the, he's not the type of guy that can bring this like team back. Figure it I, out, right? Yeah, I don't think he can reel this team back in. Like when things are going well, yeah, he's a sharp coach. Things are going well. He's a great offensive mind when he has you know all the weapons in the world. I keep saying this, like coaches that have all these great offensive players yeah they look like genius offensive minds because they have so much but no i i look to the the Kyle Shanahan's that do it with Jimmy G Brock Purdy they do it they have weapons but yeah, they're doing well, it with way less than before this. McCaffrey got there you know Brandon Ayuk's young right. he wasn't there with the first super bowl they played at and that's who i who i look to as good coaches good offensive minds i don't see that with Zach Taylor he has Incredible weapons and one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm gonna, I'm taking the points with the Rams. I think three is fine. Yeah. I'm kicking myself. I looked at it on Sunday. It was six and a half. I was strongly considering the Rams. I honestly wish I took it. I didn't quite recall how gimpy Burrow looked, and then you know, come Monday, it's super concerning, and this line shot down. So like two and a half, we're seeing threes now. I'm still fairly confident in the Rams. At I, yeah, I was going to say, I still like it. I mean, the Rams hung in too. last week, but and McVay knew the point spread. I don't care what he says. He wanted to cover that number. Um, oh, he was shocked. He was shocked that Vegas, Vegas hung numbers. He didn't even know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And co- coaches get, players get suspended six games or full season, but the coaches, they got no idea. <laughs> yeah, um, he has no idea what's going on in Vegas. But no. They, they hung in that game against the Niners. The Niners obviously should have covered. But despite that, you know, it wasn't it didn't ever feel like it was too out of hand for the Rams. And of course, they wanted Seattle. So I think I talked about it last week. I could have just been wrong on the Rams. And I just wanted to see how that game played out. Yeah, San Francisco ended up winning. But I have enough confidence I have enough to keep this close and, and maybe win if Burroughs far from 100%. So I agree. I think the number is not enough of an adjustment. The Rams have a chance. 
Yeah, I, I think this number is factoring in that Burrow is going to play, and I'm not so sure I care either way. Obviously, it's a massive downgrade to Jake Browning, but I'm kind of in the camp where a healthier backup is better than you know a 50% starter, like a calf injury that's re-aggravated. And we saw that injury in training camp, and it looked highly concerning. Like I'm, I'm shocked that he, you know, started the season even playing. You know, he was barely walking at all. Calf injury is something that can be re-aggravated so easily. It seems like that is what happened, and he was, you know, limping all over at the end of that Ravens game. I think that's something to be super concerned about, even if he does play. So I would grab this number now. I think three is a great look. I could definitely see the Rams win this game outright. I I think they have the healthier, more talented offense right now. Yeah, and and I also think, by the way, Jake Browning has not completed a pass in the NFL. So if Burrow is ruled out, this number will move more. So – I think we're saying we like the Rams at the current number of Burrow plays. And so that in and of itself is enough to bet the Rams. And then if Burrow gets ruled out, we're going to have amazing closing line value on the Rams, which you always like too. So you have to like the Rams. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, over under 44, another primetime under, I would, I would definitely take the under 44 right now as well. This is only going one way and it, it's going lower. Yeah. There he is. He's Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven. Manages our podcast account at full underscore slate underscore pod. My name is Greg Frank at undercover Greg at G underscore Frank six. Appreciate everybody tuning in on a week three edition of full slate. Everybody enjoy week three. Great college football card on Saturday as well. So should be a lot of fun to watch some pigskin as we head towards the end of September. Alex, thanks a lot, my man. And uh, hey, only up from here after last week, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I feel like we're seeing this card really well with the games we've passed and the games that we've selected. So this feels like a undefeated week, to be honest. <laughs> there we go. Ending on a positive note. Alex Uplinger, I'm Greg Frank. Everybody enjoy week three in the NFL and all the good college football as well on Saturday. This has been Full Slate, a, a podcast by Degenerates for Degenerates. And, of course, please play responsibly.